I will love it if we beat them. Love it. There's a slice of cheese, Minigo Giazopoulos. I have a dream. Arnie Cut. Bartler. And the fella in the green and white short. The guys up in the joy have asked to be put back in their cells. <laughs> <laughs> if you stop waffling, we might get some work done. He has the goo blood. He has the goo blood. Get out! Get out, man, you ain't that. Let me add a little bit of spice to that. Is that your fucking spice? My grandmother had wheels, she would have been a bike. I think I'm a special one. I'm the normal one. I never knew stuck with that good. One hello, good evening, and welcome. To another edition of the Only Fans Football Podcast, your man's favorite football podcast. Carry on this week. We are on the medium of Zoom. Um, prior um commitments means we're on Zoom today, but Kiron, we're here live and direct. How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good, pretty good, Adam. Um, I was actually I was out and about today, uh, filming a little bit of coffee time. What about yourself? How are you? Yeah, I, I'm all I'm all good here on I'm grand, yeah. No kind of stories this week. Fortunately the bank holiday the banker comes around and the banker comes and gets you. Um but thankfully this time it didn't. I remained I know it was on Friday. I found myself in the hut of Filter on Friday and the bald eagle actually we met each other on Friday. Um which was quite strange. Shout out to the to the waitress of Bald Eagle. Um a fan of the podcast clearly said Kiron. At about half eight, um, yeah, Kieran, I think your friend um, is outside. To which Kieran replied, no, my friends aren't here yet. Um, of course, the waitress was talking about me. I was there with a couple of lads. And uh, I've never seen a man more shocked in his life than Kieran. <laughs> and I appeared from behind himself. And Ben Casey, shout out to Ben Casey's sister, of course. Um, <laughs> it was literally after the chess match ended, I was like... Oh, Kieran, that was a shy game. And he literally just looked at me like he had seen and goes like, what the fuck are you doing here, Andy? He was like, literally been here for the whole chess match. And yeah, I didn't see a word in our fairness. But, um, it's like yeah, you're my guardian angel. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Unfortunate for you, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, Kieran, um, football, as as has been in the Premier League, typically awful for myself recently. But um, other than that, all good. Um, we have had the big news this week of the Manchester City sanctions, which we will delve into um, in due course um, after we get through the, the games that were at the weekend. We have another edition of Around the World in 60 seconds coming up as well, um, which you can find now, Kieran, on TikTok, because we are back up and running on TikTok, Cran, are we? They thought we, they thought we, uh, they thought they could get rid of us. I was about to say, um, but they can't. No, they never can. <laughs> and yeah, we will finish with an edition of Get It Out, of course. So, Cran, first of all, how was coffee time with Hector? Very good, Adam. Very good. Um, yeah, the day started off early. It was a nine o'clock start. I woke up and um, made my way to Angel Street for half ten. Myself and James filmed a bit of B roll around Angel Street, and then. We got onto the interview with Hector for about two hours. 
end up having a bit of lunch in Bambino. Um, shout out to them. They do a nice slice of pizza. There was honey on it though, which I didn't I didn't like Adam. I didn't really honey, honey's underrated on pizza. Yeah. I just, honey and chili flakes. I just thought it sweetened up too much and mm. it was it wasn't for my liking. And then all the students flocked in and we left and then went to the Georgia Street Arcade where I picked up a lovely poster of Starry Starry Night by Vince Van Gogh. I know that's a bit random, but it was a, a, a nice poster. For and, who? Oh, just for my wallet. Oh, well, okay. That yeah. is very random. <laughs> a bit of a so yeah, that was my day. Um, yeah. That'll be up on Sunday. And... Our coffee time, Kieran, of course, is available on YouTube right now on your YouTube channel. Um, you had myself on. I don't know why. Um, but we chat about commentary. We chat about coffee. Um, we chat about coconut milk. Yeah, do check it out, Kieran's YouTube channel for Coffee Time with Cran. Always a good time when you're with Cran. So, yeah, that was um, that's still to come this Sunday, dropping on Cran's YouTube, as I said. We'll get right into it, Kieran. The weekend that was, as we said, starting on Friday in the Bald Eagle of Fibsworth. Um, underrated spot, I would say, in the Fibsworth area in terms of um, points, etc. Um, but it started off Friday night, Chelsea nil, Fulham nil. Enzo Fernandez made his debut. Um, I think Mikhail Mudrick made his home Chelsea debut. Um, I think one went better than the other, but we'll start off with a positive. Enzo Fernandez, he looked all right. Yeah, I thought he ran the midfield. He's really good. Um, although one dislike I have before we get into it that I have as a ball league I didn't have to commentary on which I, I found quite irritating because um, I do like a bit of an atmosphere at, when I'm watching a game in the club but um, yeah I thought Enzo really ran that midfield I thought he distributed the ball well um, I thought he looked sharper than Jorginho would in that position and I, I, I like how he moves off the ball when he passes it um, I do think when we had Jorginho in that regista role or whatever he's playing I do think there was a tendency to stay put in a static position rather than run off the ball. I think Enzo runs off the ball well and, and creates an option. That's what I really liked about him. He was lively in that midfield and he, he spread the ball around the pitch well. Um, so I was happy enough with his debut, but Hacking was very, very poor. You know, breaking down a full, full team. Should be a must at home. It's one worry you have a Potter. You know, you look at your, your past results with Graham Potter. He doesn't get many goals in any games. So um, he has a history with Brighton of lacking goals, great chances. So I'd be, I'd be quite worried in that regard. But hopefully with the more quality in the team, that helps a bit. Um, and we can move forward with Potter. But it's not looking good, Brev. It's not. It's not. Yeah, I think the thing with Potter at Brighton was that there wasn't exactly a lot of goals going in at times on we look at Roberto De Zerbi now as Brighton manager and the goals are flown in with him at the helm. So I don't know if it's a Potter ball thing because they did create a lot of chances. I remember that with Brighton. They had like the highest XG for large parts of the season. So um, I, I still think there's a lot of new bodies coming in. There's a lot of new faces. I think you can't expect miracles straight away when you have so many new players coming in. So I think they'll take time to embed into the team. Um, Fulham gave a really good account of themselves I thought in this game again they're a solid side um, to be honest with you I think we both predicted them to go down so I'm extremely surprised that they're still where they are 
um, still are where they are. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, it was it was really good run out from them. Um, I thought Enzo Kieran looked really good. Um, like you said, the positions he picks up, his movement on and off the ball, he's a really shrewd player. And okay, I think the price tag's big. And I think what he needs is a good start. He needs a good, solid start to kind of embed himself into the team because if he doesn't, the pressure will just rack up on him. And I know we joked last week saying pressure makes diamonds and all this jazz, but, you know, in reality, it's, it's a tough league. And, and if you don't get off to a good start, they, you know, people be on his back. And it's not fair because he's young, but that's that's what the Premier League is at times. But, um, yeah, I seen a Fulham fan say the other day that we played Chelsea two weeks ago. He said we played them a couple of weeks ago in Craven College. We won two one, and three weeks later we're playing them again after they spent three hundred million, and they still can't beat us. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, it's true, but I don't think football's as simple as that. I think it's comes down to the fact that Paris deal with a lot of new players, and, and Fulham are just a side that are well um, set up and you know tough to beat, and that proved to be the case on Friday evening. And by the way, regarding the ball, the Eagle Kieran, it's Friday night in Fibsbury. They're hardly going to stick the commentary on without having music on. It's Friday night, Kieran. A bit, a bit of music jazzes up the place. Come on. Um, I understand that. but uh, I, I, really I don't think you do. Place. No, even low commentary. Yeah. Even a bit of low commentary. A bit of um, a bit of uh, Martin Tyler's voice in, in the background of, uh, of Stalin Dance by Movie Chance. It would be nice. That's all I'm saying. That's enough to ruin your weekend, Kieran. Um, everything won, Arsenal nil. There's something very elegant about Sean Dyche masterclass. Um, in the same way that watching a Guardiola masterclass happen, there's something equally as elegant as a team working in unison, trying to stop another team scoring and then nicking a goal. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday as Everton took on Arsenal, um, handed Arsenal their first L since they played Manchester United in the league in September, October, I think. Um, but yeah, great win for everything. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, Deutsch looked like a right uh, hairy man. I, I believe he was wearing a shirt and a, and a toy, and that's all, in the cold weather of um, Liverpool. So, just because it showed the sort of um, good he's trying to implement into everything now after being so poor over the last, well, numerous weeks. And um, I think in this game, it proves to me that they weren't running hard enough. And I think there was a, there was a video of a bleed test during the week and Sean Dyche mm-hmm. laughing at all the players doing the bleed test. So mm-hmm. uh, in this end, they picked up very tight on um, the Arsenal players. They didn't really give them any space. Mm-hmm. And they just they were closing them down very quickly, making it difficult. I think that's what won them the game in the end. You know, um, just hassling the Everton players out of it. Really not giving them any time to think. You know, Odegaard, you speak about his ability on the ball. When he doesn't have time to think, he's a different player altogether, you know. And I think they really neutralised the qualities of Arsenal in this game. Patricia Gay, Onana in midfield for Everton a long way. I think it was Ducore. Yeah. Um, and they just ran Arsenal off the pitch, really, to be honest with you. That they were so good in midfield, the three of them. It's, it's a frightening prospect to play against because you're, you're not going to get an inch playing against them three um, in midfield. And then going forward, I still don't think Everton looked great going forward. But... It was Dwight McNeil's cross from a corner and it was Tarkovsky with the header to make it 1-0 in the end. And it was that boringly connection. It was almost like it was written in the stars. <laughs> there is moments like this in football where these things just happen 
and it's like they're meant to happen. So yeah, it was it was a good game for Everton. As far as far as Arsenal are concerned, I don't know. Kenty had a good few chances in the game. He got in good spaces, good half spaces. Couldn't really. He had one great chance in the first half, and he, he blazed it over. And um, I know from watching Liverpool recently, seeing things like that happen a lot. It's it's very frustrating. Now obviously Arsenal are different um stage Liverpool at the minute, so the confidence is still quite high. But a performance like that against a team like Everton is is performances that. You know, can derail a title challenge. Not to, not to say it will. Look, we'll talk about City and due college, but um, I wouldn't be best pleased if I was an Arsenal fan. But we move on. Aston Villa two, Leicester four. I don't know where this performance came from, Leicester. If I'm being completely honest, but I think a part of it was the Brazilian at right wing, Tete, ex Shakhtar Donetsk, and ex Leon. Um, player from Brazil, as I said, he I think he was involved in he had a goal on assist from the weekend's game. Um, he took his goal really well, took it around Martinez and slotted in. I just quick touch on Leicester. I think they've invested well in the January window. I think Harry Sewer and Christensen are good players. You know, I think they're they're good signs. Um, and obviously Tete as well, the young Victor Christensen at left back for them this weekend, and it looks like a completely new kind of back four as well which I think is interesting to do but obviously it's it's a necessity for Leicester to do it I have a lot of players that were injured as well Johnny Evans you know James Justin etc um, they lost Wesley Fofana to Chelsea in the summer so the the team's kind of looking different but I think it's necessary given the state Leicester are kind of in throughout the season you know they mm-hmm. find themselves in 14th at the minute and it's it's kind of it's nowhere near as good as what they've been is essentially what I'm saying. But we move on. Brentford three, Southampton nil. Um, I'm kind of raging. Ralph Hassan who is in the job isn't in the job because Southampton are going down, baby. Yeah, it's a strange one. Like you sacking sacking Hassan it, it didn't feel like the right decision at the time. And then you look at the replacement that came in and his former Luton manager, and we're just like that's that's. So a hell of a risk to take if you're gonna sack Hassanhuel, who's Premier League proven over the last few years, and bring him replace him with a championship manager. I think you need to be looking at um a better recruit than what they got in. Um I think Nathan Jones isn't doing the best jobs at the moment. Yeah, and he's a bit of an Egypt as well. I think he was saying something to the day about being one of the, the most renowned coaches in in, in Europe. Not just England, um, and I think he's he's proven to not be a great coach at the minute for Southampton. Um, I think Hassan Hill getting rid of him was a big thing because he'd kept obviously Southampton up before. So, kind of saying Southampton struggle is is very indifferent to me. Um, but I suppose we look at Brentford. Stop being negative for a change. Um, they won three 0 Ben Me, um, Mbwemo and Matthias Jensen all on score sheet from them. For them, excuse me. I think Brentford are like 13 games unbeaten now, something like that at home. They've been unreal this season, um, and their form just keeps continuing. It's, it's a great record to have. The last game they lost at home was to Arsenal, um, way back in September, and they've just been on a great run. I think the, the last season they just ran out of steam for me, and um, they had a good start, and then they, they couldn't really. Um, excel and, and drive forward. Um, 
So they had a few good scouts last season, but I think this year they're just expanding on that um, Premier League experience and getting better. And I think the addition of having Tony still is an advantage because we don't know he's he's in deep water, but I don't know how. While it lasts, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how uh, how how long they'll have him for. So they need to make hey while the sun shines, Adam. And I think they're doing that right now. Seventh of the league, thirty-three points. It's looking well. Yeah, it is. And another team that's looking well is Brighton, who got a one-nil victory over Bournemouth the weekend. They left it late. It was Matoma with the goal in the eighty-seventh minute again. Um, and what a breakout season this guy's having! I mean, he comes in from. I'm looking at the team now. He's coming in from. Union St. Gilles, I think you've talked about them before, Karen. Yeah. Um, he was on loan with them last season, you know, 29 goals, 29 appearances, Jesus Christ, and eight goals. And you look at a season so far for Brighton this season, and he has 20 appearances and seven goals. So he's, he's just had a really good season so far. And um, this this Brighton side, it's a strange one because they have so many comings and goings in terms of players and, you know, bringing new players in and, and building them up to kind of, sell them off again. It's it's a really weird it's a really strange team at times when you think about it, but the Serbia's making it work. You know, he has the likes of Welbeck, Adam Lalana there for like the Premier League experience. You know, Dunk's still knocking about so it's just a really good brain side curl. Yeah, and I think it was advantageous having someone like Potter in beforehand who could sort of build the the blocks for him to you know improve Brighton because I think if it it, it would be um it would be difficult to come in and have them not know how to pass it from the back and such. So I think he's just he's just improving on Potter's work. And so far, he's looking very well. Like the addition mm-hmm. to Evan Ferguson as well. And as you said, Natalman, I think they're really, they're really looking good. So I think he's made the team better though. Yeah, as well. that's, what, that's what I'm saying. He's sort of built yeah. blocks in Potter's work. And... Um, so yeah, as long as may it last, I suppose. Like, or they six in the mm. league, so took them well. Um Manchester United two, Crystal Palace one. Good win here for United again. They they get a penalty early on with thanks to Bruno Fernandez slotting it away. And I think, you know, Palace are a side that have gone to United in times gone by and have done well, I'm pretty sure. And um you know, 2020, man, they won 3 1 away there, like, and then the season before was 2 1. So, like, Palace have gone to Old Trafford and have, have caused problems before. So, I'd say there was a lot of apprehensive fans going to the game on Saturday, one being our very own only fan, Jer. And we've mentioned during the show before, he was at the game on Saturday. Um, and yeah, I think that kind of settled the nerves from then on in. You weren't expecting a Palace result. Um, they go 2 0 up through Rashford. And then Casemiro gets sent off um, for choking Will Hughes. I don't know if you've seen Eamon Dunphy's podcast <laughs> the other day. I think it was yesterday. Um, he had John Giles on the show. And Giles, he was, Giles was talking about how it was a red card. And Eamon goes, John, but if you look at it slowed down, and as Eamon's like, explain his point, John just goes, Eamon, he was fucking choking him. <laughs> and then, and then he, Eamon just goes, yeah, no, fair enough. And then just left at that. Um, but that was kind of the game in a nutshell. It was a good win for United. Um, Rashford is, is unplayable at the minute. 
Yeah, he is. Uh, he has an unbelievable record at Old Trafford. Um, but just to touch on... Uh, I can't speak. Just to touch on Palace very quickly. I thought Michael... <laughs> just to touch on Palace very quickly. I thought Michael Elise was fucking unbelievable. So, uh, after Casemiro got sent off, especially, I thought he like grew Palace back into the game. And they almost got an equalizer in the end, but it wasn't to be in the end. 2-1. Another W for United. Are they back in the title race? Eventually, three points off. Mm-hmm. Man City now. What's well, sub- subsequently eight points off Arsenal? Speaking of W's, Kieran, it was another W for Wolves. 3-0 winners over Liverpool on Saturday afternoon. Um, Just an absolute shambles again, man. Every single goal we can see is, is so poor. Um, Craig Dawson I think got one of them I think the first one was a John Matip own goal that came from Matip trying to play I think it was Huang offside or Cunha offside doesn't play him offside and then has to run after him and then just takes a deflection hits the post goes in I think it was like three minutes in looking now it was five minutes in just sets the tone there and then Craig Dawson gets a goal seven minutes later um, at this point, I decided to turn the television off and go for a walk, as I was not in no humour of watching another disastrous Liverpool performance. As I, I haven't watched it back since, so I've, I genuinely have no idea how this game went after that. But I'm led to believe from reading about it that Liverpool created a few chances afterwards, looked likely to score, couldn't find the back to the net, and then Ruben Neves off a Adama Traore counter-attack, puts it away to make it 3-0. And Liverpool failed to win another game in the Premier League. And I said it to you earlier, as a listener, people are probably sick of me talking about Liverpool being shit because, well, no, I'd say they're loving it, to be fair, but I'd say it's, it's the same thing week in, week out. The Merseyside derby around the corner, so a Sean Dyche derby is what I'm expecting. But, um, yeah, not great for Liverpool again. Yeah, to be honest with you, I was watching the highlights back on match today. I think this is the first time I've seen Liverpool on the top where it just it looks like they have a breeze what they're doing. It really doesn't. You know? Mm. And that's me being honest. I, I just I don't see it like what Klopp initially built was a strong counter press, like Gagan press style, where they're constantly under pressure, the opposition. I don't see that anymore. I don't see, mm. I don't see where where um, the energy is. The players look lax a days ago. Your man Besetage, I know he's young and all, but is throwing him into the midfield really the answer for Liverpool? You know, should they be playing more experienced players? Mm. On what Klopp's doing, and um, I just think they look a bit lost in general. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way of describing it. They they look devoid of any real quality and any confidence at the minute. And that gag and press they're talking about a lot of that is down to kind of first of all fitness and having the legs, but. Secondly, it's it's about kind of having the belief to just keep running after people. It's a strange one. Um, I think I'm not gonna sit here and like make excuses and be like the board injuries. It's so boring to listen to. Yeah. Um, but I, I was looking at I was looking at highlights of Liverpool beating Bayern Munich three one the season Liverpool won Champions League, and something I noticed about that was, um. Fabinho comes on about 45, about 50 minutes into the game, Fabinho comes on. And I don't know if this is like a case of the Mandela effect where I'm looking back thinking, 
geez, Fabinho played all the games. You know what I mean? These players, when they first came into Liverpool, played all the games. So I did a bit of research and just to compare it to Nunes and Gakpo at the minute. When these lads, if these lads had to come in a couple of seasons ago, when the likes of Mane, etc. there, they would have kind of been bred into the team. Slow but surely. Yeah. They would have been getting minutes every now and then. And I think you brought up by Chetik. I think that's a great example of it. I think Harvey Elliott's a great example of it. Where there are two young players being thrown into the deep end. And it's like, it's, it is sink or swim at the minute because the quality isn't there. But you're asking Elliot, you're asking Bojetic, Nunes, Gakpo to do jobs that, realistically speaking, if the likes of Jota, Diaz, Firmino are fit, they're not being asked to do. Do you know what I mean? They're not being asked to start games and stuff like that. You can't kind of constitute for that because it's the professional footballers at the end of the day. They should be able to deal with these situations but again you look at the kind of humanistic side of them like they're young men they need time to it's a new culture etc but again I'm sick of, I'm really sick of talking about this and the quality's there for Liverpool they're just not showing at the minute and I, I do think there'll be a stage where they go on a run of, of four or five games and you'd be like oh but that's Liverpool we all knew um, but at the minute it's just not showing at all and the quality just isn't there unfortunately Kiran <laughs> is, is sat in a dark room there he doesn't even support Liverpool and he looks like he's more upset than I am about the situation we'll move on Kiran it'll be okay it'll be okay Kiran we'll be okay the podcast will live on um, Newcastle won West Ham won um, I, to be honest with you these are games that Newcastle should be winning if they want to play Champions League football next season yeah, I mean, it's not a great result. I was in the hole for this one. We're down a few points, but um, they wouldn't show the game. They were actually showing England, Scotland in the rugby. There's too many rugby fans in the building. Yeah! Yeah! So there's a point can through the roof, I believe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see this game again, Adam. But to be honest with you, it didn't, it didn't, from what I've seen of it, when they threw it on, it didn't look like a great game. No, genuinely terrible game of football. Mm-hmm. I'll be dead serious with you. It was, it was awful. Um, and it's it's a game where I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, Newcastle, they're going to be, they're going to be a side that are going to, I think years to come, they'll be doing very well. Like, they have the financial backing. And if they do things right, which we assume they're doing, they'll be grand. But, Right now, they have a great chance because I, I think the standard in some of the teams in the league this season has dropped drastically, and that's down to a mid-season World Cup, injuries, short turnaround, etc. There's a lot to it. It's not just teams have become bad. But the likes of Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool, prime example, have fallen off a cliff. And that's there's a million and one reasons to it. A team like Newcastle has to hop on that has to get onto that and take advantage of it, I think. Um, I think they're missing an opportunity by not doing it as well um, because I think the Champions League is definitely there for them this season. So, Cran, we'll move on now to, I suppose, the weekend's biggest talking points um, come from the Forest 1-0 against Leeds United in the city grounds. I believe that's what it's still called. Jesse Marsh, bye bye. It's sad, sad to see him go. Yeah, and I feel like he kind of slipped out under the radar as well. 
with the city news that came out that he, mm. he gets sacked. But yeah, um, yeah it is, it's crazy one. Um, I think Leeds are mad to that and go, oh, I've been in. I, I, I don't think you can't really go ahead and back the manager with Winston McKenney, which I think that's mm. what he want, He would have wanted now. I don't think the next manager coming in would want Winston McKenney. Um, mm. So I don't think it was a smart move on Leeds' behalf to go out, get Winston McKenney, and then say, all right, bye, Jesse, the next day. You know what I mean? It's, it, feels, mm. it has uh, shades of two shots on Aubameyang to it, in my opinion. So Yeah, it's very... It's very counterproductive, I think. It happened with Dan Jim and Everton, where Dan Jim was going to Everton to work with Lampard. Then Lampard got sacked, and Dan Jim was like, right, I'm gone. So it's a strange one. Leeds have invested a lot of money in the team this season. And I think the strange thing about Leeds at times, I'm looking at my best friends in Leeds for so this is why I know, but they never seem to be content. It's always, there's always more. They always want more. Um, and I think that the past results haven't been good enough. Like Marsh talks a lot about kind of the result doesn't matter. It's about the performance and, you know, we're building towards something. I, I like Marsh as a person. Like I, I think his victory away to Liverpool this season is his victory at home to Chelsea. Like these are things that you can't disregard, I think. I think they're... They're big achievements in and of themselves, and look at Leeds are a massive club, so you don't want you don't want to kind of be content with that. Like you, I understand wanting more from your your team, but I I don't think that I I didn't think the situation was that bad for them to want to sack him. Do you know? Yeah, and my big um, question would be like, what's the answer? You know, if four months hmm. left, last three see, months, you know. I think the problem they have is look at their own 18 points, right? The three teams below them at the minute are Everton, Bournemouth, and Southampton. Now, I think we both agree on the fact that Bournemouth and Southampton, they're probably going to get relegated. They're two that are most likely to go down at the minute. Everton, however, are a team with Sean Deutsch. And look, we ran through their team earlier, Kieran. Everton's team is. Isn't bad at all. Like if you can get if you can get Calvert Lewin up and running again, he's a very decent striker. You know they've lost Gordon, but I think to be honest with you, if I was an Everton fan, I wouldn't have wanted Gordon. Why would you want a player who wants to leave your club? A boyhood fan of the club wants to jump ship when they need you most. Mm. As far as if I were an Everton fan, I'd literally go and you know I'll fuck him. He's not wanted. Why would you want that? Um. So I, I don't think he's a great loss at the point of making. Other than that, like there's teams like Brentford and Fulham that you probably had started season you probably would have went, they're gonna be down there. And obviously they're not. Aston Villa, Palace, Forest, Leicester, Wolves, West Ham is the rest of the bottom half of the league. So if you're to pick a, a team out of those teams, you probably are going the way Leeds are playing, you probably are going right, Leeds are gonna be going down with Southampton and Bournemouth and I think if you're sacking a manager, I think do it during the window or before the window. I, I don't see the sense in giving them the window and then sacking them. I think Leeds will probably have a better chance in staying up without him than they did with him, depending on on who they bring in. Ian was telling me loads of names that they were looking at yesterday, so 
it's going to be an interesting one to see who they bring in eventually. But some of the names that's doing the rounds at the minute is Carlos Cabaran, who was the assistant manager of Bielsa at Leeds. He's now West, West Brom. Mm-hmm. Pochettino's gone around. There's not a hope they're getting Pochettino. Bielsa, Hassan Hootel's 10 to 1. That might be worth show. Celtic mm-hmm. manager Angie Postacoglu, he's there. William Still of Rem, Rain is there as well. I think that'd be a show. Just looking at the list here, I'm going to say they're going to end up with Gennaro Gattuso. I think that's who the owners are going to go with. To be honest with you, it's, they're probably going down either way. So what, what can he do? Like, you know, the lose-lose situation. Yeah, I suppose we'll move on to the big news of the of the week, Adam. Yeah, so the big news, of course, stems from the game. Spores won, Manchester City nil. Harry Kane breaks the record for the most score, goals scored by a Spores player taking over Jimmy Greaves. No Kevin De Bruyne, no Diaz, no Laporte, no Foden in the squad whatsoever for Man City. Um, before we get on to the sanctions and that, it looks like there's a lot, there's something going on in the background of Man City. I can't quite pinpoint it, but it looks like there's, you know, even Cancelo leaving last week. That was, I think that was kind of a, a red flag right there, Brev. Um, I think there's something going on here, and I don't think the sanctions are helping. But we'll speak about the game real quick. Um, Spurs seem to always beat Man City. Um, and in a weekend where everything beat Arsenal, I'd say there was a lot of lucky gamblers yesterday or Sunday. Um, put money on sports to win, Carol. I mean, it's just it's the it's the Man City jinx for uh, Spurs. They just have to do do over them. Um, and I think mm-hmm. even last month you had Spurs going team it up in that game, and City mm-hmm. come back and win four two. Like every time, it just looks like a Spurs win. And mm-hmm. listen, what you spoke about there about the Man City um a disturbance in camp. I think this this sanctions this could be it. I don't like to speculate, but um, I think this this something like this won't disturb the dressing room if, if they potentially throw rumblings of it. Bad publicity comes out against City in the next few weeks. I, I could see a lot more players and even pep jump and ship, but it remains to be seen. I think I don't know if I'm going to delve into the sanctions now, but what do you think? I, I do feel like there's rumblings. I do think there's bit of dispute going on in the, in the background. It, it certainly feels like that. Mm. I think Cancelo going last week was the sign of it. I think not starting Kevin De Bruyne is kind of alludes to that as well. Um, we know there's been kind of problems with Foden and Cancelo. And then obviously Laporte and Diaz not starting is fucking massive to me. It's My mind is boggled by the fact that they're not playing. But it was Martin Ziegler of... Um, the Times in the UK who released this yesterday tweeted at quarter past ten yesterday morning um, breaking Manchester City charged by Premier League with numerous breaches of financial rules following a four-year investigation. This is unprecedented. A range of sanctions possible including points deductions if breaches are proved. I'm looking through it. It's a lot of B13, C71, ja, 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 ja. Essentially, they've breached a lot of FFP rules. This is kind of the long short for Sorry for wasting people's times by reading through that small statement. Um, it doesn't look good. 
it really doesn't look good from Man City. Just talk of, you know, losing titles. So giving titles to, so from the seasons that were mentioned, the likes of Liverpool, Man United. Other sanctions possible is points deductions, relegation, transfer ban, a fine. There's a lot. There's a lot to be. There's a lot at stake. I think is probably a good way of putting it. Just for example, I suppose should they lose the titles that they that they won, you're looking at Liverpool and Manchester United both getting three Premier League titles each. And I think if you look at the clubs, which I think, I don't think it would it would bother me a whole lot if if Liverpool were to be given three Premier League titles. I don't necessarily think that's the way to go, but the likes of the cups, I think. Like there's teams like Wofford and I don't know other teams who got the cup finals and lost to Man City. Spores like Ryan Mason will have a League Cup title. Oh yeah, managed seven games I think he did for Spores. And like the the reason why I wouldn't go with like getting rid of league titles and things like that is it's very hard to relive a moment. Do you know what I mean? It would be very hard for me to celebrate Stephen Gerrard winning the Premier League. 10 years after the fact that it happened. Do you know what I mean? I think it's bollocks. It is bollocks, yeah. yeah. It is, essentially. If it does happen, I'd be delighted. I, I would be very happy to see Liverpool have three more Premier League titles. But again, it's... Like, i seen someone tweet, a Man City fan tweet, um, let them take away our titles, let them take away this, that. We'll still have that memory. And essentially, if you take away the 2011 season... You take away the Aguero moment, right? And you hand Man United a title. But all those Man City fans that were in the Etihad that day will always have the Aguero moment. Do you know what I mean? Aguero. So, yeah. So I think it's it's a redundant thing to do is to give is to take away the titles and stuff. Well, what sanctions do you think they should be handed, Kieran? Um, I to be honest with you, I don't think. This is going to be as serious as people are making it out to be. I really uh, like my gut feeling says they've brought breached a hundred rules of FFP. They should be punished. You know, if, if they've broken the rules, there should be a punishment, whether it be a, a point deduction, relegation, and um, what whatever you may see fit, it should be given to them. And I suppose it's at the helm of people who think it is serious enough to get those punishments. But for me. After seeing what happened transpired over the last, what was it, three or four years, Man City got in trouble with UEFA, they got out of trouble. I just think this has a, an aura of that to it. I don't think Man City are going to get in much trouble for this. I just don't see it as realistic with the amount of powerful people at that football club, the amount of clever people at that football club, you know, mm-hmm. that are running it. I think they'll have ways around it. I think they'll have avenues to get around it. That's just the way I see it. But those those avenues, I think, involve having to probably pay off. Oh yeah, I think it might be it's complete corruption. Yes, of course. But I just think there is too much avenues for them to have right now for there to be any serious repercussions for this. I don't think it's as as black and white as well. As I, I, going to be banned. It's it's just not going to happen that way. Well, I, I I'll be honest, Kieran. I I think. I don't think it will be as severe as, like, they're not going to lose their titles and stuff like that. I'd be very surprised if that was the case. I do think they'll probably be expelled from the Premier League. 
I think that's probably where this is going. I do, I do think they'll be trying. They're not necessarily trying out the English league altogether. I do think they'll probably be trying start again. Essentially, is, is what will happen if you're making this a big deal, right? Like we talk about revenue and things like that. Like this is the Manchester City side to have more revenue than Manchester United and Real Madrid. I'm a Liverpool fan saying this. I have no problem saying that they're the two biggest clubs in the world. The other two, the other two of the four big would be Liverpool and Barcelona, say, for example. They have more revenue than all those four teams. That's impossible, Kieran. That is, it's impossible for it to not be, to be done in a financially fair play way, essentially. That that can't be done, Kieran, in a, in a fair way. They, they can't have more revenue than Liverpool, Man United, Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich. They, they just can't, Kieran, because they, they, there's no, there's no, there's no way they can have it in a how do we say a manner in which is allowed given the fair financial fair play circumstances, right? Sanction was, I think, I think you have to try to book them because if they don't, they're essentially saying, look at anyone can do it. But the point here is not anyone can do it because clubs have come into financial arrears, Derby, Bury. There's been clubs that have gone up, that have fucked up financially and they get the book thrown at them. I definitely do think it's a big thing. I think they will be expelled from the Premier League. I think they'll keep all their titles. That'd be ridiculous. I think they'll get a transfer ban and they'll get heavily fined. And I think you have to throw everything at them because if you give them a transfer ban and if you give them, if, if you find them, there's no point in that. It's a club that, that has loads of money. So finding them does nothing. Giving them a transfer ban does nothing when they have one of the best academies in the world. After seeing them get out of the last predicament, they might get a transfer ban though for a point deduction, but I can't see the explosion happen. I just can't. What I'll say there though about regarding the, the stuff with UEFA, UEFA are, are a corrupt organisation. Mm. You know what I mean? I wouldn't necessarily say the Premier League and the FA are as corrupt as UEFA. Like, mm. UEFA are notoriously corrupt, is what I'm saying. FIFA are notoriously corrupt. I don't think the FA and the Premier League are. Yeah, they let the Saudis buy Newcastle this last season. Yeah, but they also let the the owners of Manchester City into the league. This, this essentially is the problem that comes with letting owners of state-funded countries into the league. Yeah. This is this is the problem with it, like. And I feel as though they didn't they didn't have a contingency plan to deal with things like this. And now this this investigation's after going on for nine, ten years, and now they're going, right, this is what we should do. There's, and there's part of it talks of it getting more strict as well. Supposedly. I think I think I think it should though. Yeah, I think it would be good it would be good for football if it did. There's clubs that that run in a financially fair manner, you know what I mean, and it you, you can't compete with things like this. And I'm not saying it from a point of view of oh poor me, poor Liverpool, poor this, poor that, yeah. but it, it is the way the game is. The game's corrupt with money. We did put up earlier on Instagram, Kieran, about the Manchester City sanctions, what people thought would happen. Um, shout out to Conor Flynn who says nothing sanctions only given to smaller teams. I think he could be onto something there. Ian also says the same. 
Nathan Smith says they'll get a fine, but they should get worse considering what happened to the likes of Bury and Derby. Gary Vav says null and void their titles. <laughs> um, of course, Liverpool and Man United will get those titles. So yeah, Gary are correct for a change. So it's weird when Gary's right. And David Mullery says force them all to watch 90 minutes of Liverpool this season. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, Dave. I think that's a step too far. <laughs> As someone who suffered through it all season, I think that's a step too far. Um, but yes, Kieran, that Maybe was. Yeah, I liked the music. Shout out to Mrs. Doyle. Um, that was the week that was in the Premier League, Kieran. Yeah, absolutely. We will be going to goal the week then. Goal of the week. Jesus, wept one. You're, you're killing me here. Um, I'm going to give it to. I'll give it to Harry Kane. I think he gets enough grief. I think he deserves a bit of credit at times. Um, so I'll give it to him. I'm going to give it to two goals, one schlup. Uh, I thought Jeffrey Schlupp's uh, goal against <laughs> Man United's two goals was unbelievable. Oh, I, God. I thought I thought the flick for that for that um, Palace goal was really good. I, I thought it was a nice bit of instinct. I'm being genuine here. I'm not, I'm not just saying this as a. I absolutely despise this podcast at times. <laughs> <laughs> two goals, one schlup. Um, <laughs> Your God of the Week, Kieran. My God of the Week. I can't believe, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> I can't I'm going to give my God of the Week to uh, Ben Me just because he helped me beat Senate fan tracks. <laughs> I was going to say there's only one God of the Week and that is um, Sean Deutsch. <laughs> <laughs> How could I forget, Kieran? How could I forget? This fella Ronaldo is a cod. And our cod of the week this week is... Jesse Marsh. <laughs> Jesse Marsh. Um, Jesse Marsh is our cod of the week this week. I don't think Americans... Do they eat fish over in America? I, they probably do. They eat more KFC than new fish anyway. He's a man who epitomizes what Premier League football is, Kieran. To the new world. Um, I know Ian had a, a reckless sleep. Um, was it was it yesterday he was, he was now sacked he had a reckless sleep last night missing Marsh um, but yes Jesse Marsh is our cotton week this week fight and win so Kieran we're going to move on now to our around the world in 60 seconds to return of it this week as we Go through the football that was around Europe and the world. There will be a TikTok of this, so do keep an eye out. Um, and yeah, Kieran, you can count me in. A three, a two, and a one. Starting off in Italy this week, Cran, the Milan derby finished 1-0 to Inter Milan thanks to a goal from Lautaro Martinez. Raffaello started the game on the bench as the rumours regarding a new contract continue. Divock Origi started following his screamer against Sassuolo. In Spain, a Nacho Fernandez own goal gave Mallorca a 1-0 win over Real Madrid. Concerns in Madrid grow with the news of an injury to Thibaut Courtois. Barcelona go eight points clear on top of La Liga following a 3-0 victory over Sevilla. In Germany, Union Berlin continued their title charge with a 2-1 win over Mainz. 
Bayern remain top, however, following a 4-2 away win over Wolfsburg. And lastly, in Portugal, Benfica extend their lead at the top of the league with a 3-0 win over Casapia. Stay tuned for a Lisbon special coming soon to the podcast. Kieran, was that 60 seconds? I just stopped there, Adam. I think it was around 53, 99. That's all right. That's okay. Well, yes, moving on now, Kieran. To our last segment of the show, thankfully, says you. There's not much in this either, so we will breeze through it. Um, get it out. Shout out to Alberto Moreno, as ever. David Mullery, who says, best footballing podcast to listen to other than yours, of course, with a love heart emoji. Thanks, Dave. Um, I've really enjoyed, I don't know if you listen to it, it's... um. Oh, is it a football podcast? I don't know if it is, but your man who does Diary of a CEO, I think he's a bit of a meme at times, but his podcasts are really good. Um, do check out the Three Left Feet podcast, of course. They uh, started out as a football podcast, but led to believe, Kieran. I, I really like it, The Stand. The Stand, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know the lads that used to be on the kickoff, but Boovy, Rory Jennings, um, your man McCullough, they have a new podcast called The Club, which is quite good. Um, I wish I had more niche podcasts like I had a few lads that I knew who did a football podcast but I just don't, yeah. I don't have time to get around to that sort of thing and if you're Shelbourne inclined do check out the 1895 podcast where you can hear yours truly as co-host with Steve on the Shells podcast every week more ear burning we move on now Kieran to another question from Gary Vav who says he really wants you to answer this one Kieran so he doesn't want any Political news out here this time. Gary Vav says, please, Kieran, give your top three managers as women from those TikTok um, threads, I believe. So I don't know if you've seen this trend, but it's a trend of Premier League TikTok managers with like a woman filter on it. Um, so yeah, Gary Vav wants your top three, Kieran. That's a very niche area. And to be honest with you, I don't really know. But if I was to speak, I'd put Conte number one. I put Ertan Hagen two. I put in Emery number three. A good evening from Kieran. Um Ian says famine or genocide from my second year history class. I'd love to know what context this is in as well. Um, to be honest with you. These questions are getting worse every week, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love to know what context for. Um, I, I, I really don't know what to answer here, Karen. So I'll, uh, I'm going to refrain from answering to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, this, you. Just set me up. Set me up to get Yeah, no, I will. I mean, you've done it to me before, Karen. You've done it to me before. You've done it to me before. Um, Ian says, if you could get a tattoo of a footballing moment, what would it be? Good question. Well, probably the drop header for me. That's right. in my life. I don't know. I, I the, like the moment that lives on most in my head when I think about football is being in Anfield when Origi scored that last minute winner against Everton. At the time, he was a fringe player, was leaving the club, comes on, scores, and kind of changed the, tra- the trajectory of his career from then on in. So I would have something to do with that. What it would be, I do not know. But that is the football moment from that kind of, from the Premier League point of view, it lives me. Another one is one of when Shells got promoted to the Premier Division 2019. So 
Mm. Yeah, they, they'd be one or two that I'd go with. Um, Jer says, is this podcast funded by Manchester City off the books? Yes or no? Um, it's a good question. And to be honest with you, I'm not going to answer it because our dealings with Manchester City is our dealings with Manchester City. So that's where we'll leave that, Kieran. Um, And the last question, shout out to Connor Flynn, who says, the best spice bag in Dublin. Oh, I like this question. That's a great question. I really I'm going to say, straight off the bat, the one that's the tastiest is the one out of the flame walk in Fairview. Right. The one that's, there's a bit of je ne sais quoi about it, is one from Link Key on that's the North awesome. Strand. And the it most really filling is. one, the most filling one, and it's probably a good combination of the two, is Summer Inn and Cabra. So they're my top three spice bags okay. in Dublin. Karen. Very interesting. I'm going to give it straight away to Canton City because I just oh wow, them. I love the flavour of the Canton City spice bag. I love how miniature it is. Mm. I don't think it's too much. Mm. Um, I just think it's the perfect level of greatness in a spice bag. Spice, but is it a spice bag or is it a spice box? I don't know. Because it comes in a box, doesn't it? Yeah, it's strange. Mm. Mm. Well, yes, thankfully, another edition of the OnlyFans Football Podcast has come and gone. Episode 20, will we call it the Jesse Marsh in old tribute to Jesse Marsh? R.I.P. He didn't die, he's just gone as lead manager. No, it's just his, his career did. Oh God, we're awful bastards, are we? <laughs> but yes, that was the podcast this week. Thank you as ever for joining us. We do appreciate it. Kieran, before we go, I just want to say a big, a big OnlyFans shout out to Sebastian Haller, of course, a cult hero of the podcast, isn't he? He was diagnosed with cancer last year. Um, just after signing for Borussia Dortmund, um, he recently made his return to the Dortmund setup back training, and yeah, he came back on Saturday, the fourth of February, got a goal at home to Freiburg to make it three-one, I think it was at the time. Um, a player who we hold a lot of respect for. The goal came, Kieran, on World Cancer Day. It's something that we all hold dearly to our hearts. So we do want to send all our love and support to Sebastian Haller, an OnlyFans football podcast hero. And yeah, we leave it there. So.